Hey guys, guess who? It's Omri Katz, and you're listening to the Horror Squad Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Horror Squad Podcast. This is episode number 301, where tonight it is our very special Halloween spooktacular episode, where we will be reviewing a very special double feature of Talk to Me and All Hallows Eve, as voted on by you guys, our listeners. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. I am here, as always, with Steve and Todd. Gentlemen. Hello. Hey, how's it going? And also, welcome to all our new listeners that we probably recruited over the weekend at some little event we pulled in Salem. You know, nothing nothing too crazy. You guys had an event this weekend? (laughs) Tell tell us more. Yes, let's get right into it, I suppose. We had our massive, massive event that we've been talking about for months now. The It's Just a Bunch of Halloween event, of course, with the cast of Hocus Pocus. They can't say it because they're on strike, but we can say it on here because we're not on strike. But we do fully support the actor's strike, of course. It was quite the event, without a doubt, the biggest event we have ever done as a podcast. We severely miss Todd, though. We wish he could have made it out, but hopefully, Todd, you'll be able to make it out to our next event. But Steve and I were able to hold down the fort for the event in Salem, Massachusetts. We had Armory Cats, Thor Birch, Jason Marsden, and Vanessa Shaw all there. Um, the four actors from Hocus Pocus. Max, Danny, Allison, and the voice of Banks. It was quite a loaded weekend. Uh, I don't want to talk the whole time because I'm exhausted. So, Steve, let's. Uh, you can say a little bit and give your thoughts, and then I'll kind of jump in. Yeah, for sure. So the event was twofold. First, we had a party at Bit Bar, which is this really cool arcade bar that they have in downtown Salem. Basically, what we did there is. We got a picture with the cast, which everyone got a photo op opportunity with the four cast members who were dressed up in different costumes. And then you got to kind of play arcades as you wanted. It was, uh, there were like kind of uh, arcade tokens strewn about on all the tables so you could play as much arcade as you wanted that night. There was food, which was actually really good, surprisingly. So shout out to BitBar on, uh, on their kitchen there and a lot of drinking involved and on top of that, there was also a a drag show slash burlesque from the absolutely amazing Ms. Diamond Wigfall, Buster Pants, and there were a few others joining them there. Honestly, I had a complete blast. It was an amazing time. We, you know, getting to mingle with the cast and also just getting to chat with some of the volunteers from the weekend and some listeners as well. Just a few shout outs. I mean, I'm not going to shout out everyone because I met so many people that weekend, but a few of them that, you know, I know listen to the show or that are friends of the podcast. You have RNK, Missy, Mike, Amber, Bren, uh, Kimmy, Josh, and Alex. I know those are people kind of I talked to a little bit more. And everyone I met, I really enjoyed talking to everyone there. It was a great time. Actually, Amber is the person who made the Hocus Pocus Lego set which is really cool. I actually just finished building it, my wife and my nephew, a week ago. So it was cool meeting her and getting to talk to her about the process and all that. So 
that was the Friday event. Joe, you want to tell us about the Saturday event? Sure. Yeah. Amber also, uh, she flew in from Belgium for this event. So shout out to her and her sister uh, for doing that. I mean, that's amazing. And just being able to see her like sign the Lego set boxes too with the cast, I thought was really cool. So definitely shout out to her. Um, the Saturday, uh, yeah. So the Friday event obviously went awesome. So thank you to everyone that showed up for that. That was a ton of fun. Shout out to Bitbar and their staff too for making sure you know everything went smooth as well. They were a great collaborator with us on that. And then on and which picks for doing the pro photo ops as well at the uh, at that event. So Saturday we had our big signing uh, autograph meet and greet on Salem Common. We decided to go outside because we thought it was going to be a, a great idea to do it on the common where the movie parts of the movie were filmed. Of course, it was torrential downpours all day of the event, which did complicate uh, some things. But overall, I think it ended up going pretty well. Thank you just to everybody that waited. <laughs> Dedic I mean, talk about a hardcore fan base. You know, people waited five plus hours to meet the cast, you know, in pouring rain. Most people did come prepared in their umbrellas and ponchos and whatnot. And we tried to make the line move as fast as we could. But the cast, uh, of course, as amazing as they are, just, you know, wanted to just take their time and make sure every fan got their money's worth. So just thank you. Thank you to everybody that showed up uh, to that. Our amazing volunteers that just absolutely killed it. They really were the the glue that held this whole event together to just be able to come take time out of their lives for what ended up being about 10 hours of work you know just absolutely amazing shout out to i can't you know i uh, throw them all you name them all but you know brody of course from the crypt who partners partnered with us last year on the armory event was there to help uh, Hocus Pocus Collector, as well, Allie. She helped out a lot in the tent. Of course, Brian Bora, who was a great collaborator on this event, he was running around like crazy. And John Andrews, of course, from Creative Collective, our other collaborator on this event, who definitely helped me a lot with line control and uh, trying to keep people in order. Amongst many, many others that I just cannot remember uh, for now, but it, just everybody just absolutely killed it, made, helped the event run smooth and just be uh, just a great, great time. And the cast was amazing. They stayed past their time without many breaks at all. I mean, they really only took one long bathroom break and that was it. And then they just went right back to it. So, yeah, I mean, they signed, they did signed and took photos for over nine hours. Uh, you know, we were supposed to stop at seven. We didn't end up stopping until nine. So shout out to the cast for accommodating every single fan that was out there. And yeah, it, it went awesome. And we do apologize to the fans that we did have to turn away. We did end up selling out the event, but we hope to do it again next year and beyond. So stay tuned. Keep up to date, of course, with the podcast on all of our socials and whatnot. And this isn't the last time I think you'll be hearing from the cast in Salem, Massachusetts. Yeah. And also a shout out to everyone who came by our table. We had a table like basically right before people met the cast and gave out a ton of stickers and magnets and stuff like that. So really appreciate everyone who took the time to chat and, you know, grab some swag and hopefully you enjoy the stuff and you had a great day despite the really, really bad weather that day. It was, uh, it was quite today. Really, it was a 
great time all around and um you know it's crazy it's already over and we're already talking about next year and definitely want to stay tuned to our podcast to hear news about that one because wow just what i've heard already is pretty mind-blowing so yes for sure yeah yeah i mean this isn't the last you'll hear of us for sure we i mean we love throwing these events for you guys and we definitely have a lot up our sleeves for events coming up definitely in salem but we would love to do in other look i would love to do stuff in canada for with steve i'd love to do stuff in kentucky with todd so definitely i would love to do a lot more events all over the country and not just salem so especially i mean because i know it's tough traveling and all that but as far as hoax pocus next year we're going to give you a lot more advanced notice and whatnot, so you guys will be able to book hotels, flights, and stuff like that well in advance. Discussions are already ongoing. We are hoping within the next just few months, honestly, to be able to announce at least some dates so you can start locking down your things. One last thing, I do want to shout out every single sponsor very quickly that was some sort of contributor um, to this event so uh, Haunted Happenings Magazine, of course, here in Salem, Bit Bar Salem, Coven in Salem, Seagrass, Dispensary, Die With Your Boots On, Coons, Card and Gift Shop, Oriental Trading Company, Fright Rags, Loungefly, Funko, The Merry Danksters, which is actually Omri Katz's um, dispensary that he is currently working on in L.A., uh, The Black Flame Society podcast, which is Hocus, Collector, Hocus Pocus Collector Alley's podcast, and also Salem, the podcast, who gave us an amazing tour. I know Steve, unfortunately, missed it on Sunday. That's another thing we didn't even talk about. But on Sunday, Salem, the podcast, gave the cast and some of us a very private tour of all the Hocus Pocus filming locations. And it was amazing to see the cast be able to see all of the locations. Uh, Thora and Vanessa, especially, for the very first time ever. So that was really something special. Also, the owners of the house, Max and Danny's house over on Ocean Avenue, they actually, we tipped them off and we let them know that we were coming. So they've had their whole family there. The owners are over 90 years old. They've actually lived there since the movie was filmed 30 years ago. So that was pretty amazing to see them kind of interact with the family. The family actually opened their door, let them walk in the house, gave them a tour. It was quite amazing. And then we made our way to all the other Filming locations, Pioneer Village, of course, which was Thackeray Binks's house in the beginning of the movie. Also, Rose Mansion, which was Allison's house. And Vanessa Shaw actually had never been there in person because, uh, you know, the exterior shots only Omri Katz, Max, and Dora Birch, Danny were the only ones that actually did shots there. So, this was the first time Allison actually got to see and stand in front of and go inside of her actual house and then we went over to old town hall of course where they did the exterior shots for the party scene where bet midler saying i put a spell on you and we went somewhere else like oh the school the school of course where they ended up going on salem common and what was really special is vanessa shaw and omri katz did reenacted the scene where she gives him his phone number back it's on our store it's actually on our highlights so i've been posting like crazy today and been adding it to our highlights so if you go over to our instagram and look up hp cast event on our highlights it will have basically everything from this entire weekend on their photos of the cast in front of filming locations and all that great stuff so yeah once again just a massive thank you to everyone that came out this weekend and of course i have to mention sam of course, who used to be on the show, a.k.a. Halloween Happy. She put all these sponsors together, 
And without her, she was just in a massive help as well. So thank you to everybody. Amazing weekend. And we'll see you guys, hopefully, next year. We're planning it out. So, uh, yeah, good times. Yeah, so I, I think that's enough for the event for now. I'm sure over the coming weeks, we'll think of other stories. We're, we, like, just came back from this thing, so we're still digesting the whole thing. But before we move on to trivia, Todd, you also went to a convention this weekend, and I love, I'd love to hear about it. I love hearing con stories. Yeah, so there's a big one in Lexington, Kentucky, which is about an hour south from me, and I went with my buddies, um, TJ and Brent, and there's a ton of people. If you look it up, uh, Scarefest, every year they have a big-ass con, and they hold it at the Kentucky Basketball Center, so it's like a big-ass, like, dedicated space with plenty of space for everybody, which I absolutely love, because there's nothing worse than a con that's just, like, you're on top of people, and you can't navigate vendors, and then you have lines going in front of actors' tables, and it's just shit show but this one was actually very well organized i like that uh i ended up meeting uh the original michael myers who's the only one i had to wait in line for because man i hate this too is when you're in line and then they have a photo op that takes an hour and then they come back and then he had to go to lunch i'm like gosh damn i eventually got to meet him then i got mr rufus who uh who's in house of thousand corpses who is the, the biggest man i've ever met i thought ken foray was huge this guy like got like three four inches on him fucking huge love him really cool interaction and then i met two new actors i never met before terry alexander plays john and jarleth conroy who plays bill from day of the dead and they're two of the headliner guys that hang around with Lori. i met Lori a few years ago and savini and richard sherman who plays bub so now the only one i need is i i'm torn if i should keep principal cast only on this or add like a savini and nicotero or if I just keep the actress actually show up. Calvin can't get Rhodes because he passed away or some piece, but I don't know. We'll figure that out, that out some other time. And that was it. It was a really cool time. Love meeting the actors. And I was talking to Steve offline. And it's really frustrating to me. Not frustrating is the wrong term, but it's weird. Like most con goers are my age or above. And for example, like all the Terrifier people are there, which is like a cool movie, but they're new and everything. But their lines are stacked, like never ending. And then you have gentlemen like, Terry Alexander or Clint Howard was there, you know, he's from Ice Command and stuff like that. And they have like zero activity. And I'm like, man, these guys are like from huge movies, cool actors that you can like anyone spots and they get zero act activity. But the kid that plays like the brother in Terrifier in one movie has like a never ending line. I just, I don't personally get it, but hey, to each his own, I'm glad they're making money off uh, of the one movie. Cool. Well, glad you enjoyed the con, uh, Todd. Too bad you couldn't come to Salem with us, but just got to mention it. Pittsburgh, first weekend in June, we're all going to be there. We're going to go to Living Dead Weekend in Monroeville, Pennsylvania, and that'll be the next event that we're all at. And I'm personally super, super looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a fun time. They announced the first guest, our good old boy Tommy Atkins, you know, still, uh, he's like 85 now, still but slaying. still looks amazing. and still yeah. banging. I, I absolutely can't wait for that con, mostly to hang out with you guys and all the other people who are going to be there. But uh, if you like to meet us and hang out with us, that is definitely what you want to do. Living Dead Weekend, Monroeville in, I think it's like June 7th, just 10th or something like that. That sounds about right. Yeah, along those lines. I'm sure you can find it online. So yeah, so how about we get into trivia? Certainly. Okay, so quarter number four is as follows. We have Mr. Joe in the lead with five, and Steve and I both tied at four apiece. Any man's game still, so who would like to lead off? I'd like to lead off. 
first, I just want to give a shout out. So on October 30th, I'm going to be on the Don't Be Crazy podcast, and we're going to be reviewing The Exorcist. So that's going to be a really great time. I know the host of that show, Zach, who's a friend of mine, is not a big fan of The Exorcist. Ghost Hunters, Zach. (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, Yeah, he's not a big fan of The Exorcist, so I'm even more looking forward to recording this episode because I it's like one of my top five horror films of all time. So I think it'll be a fun time. So definitely check him out. Uh, Don't Be Crazy podcast. That episode will release October 30th. That's uh, next Monday. So in... Uh, honor of that, my first question is Exorcist related. The original, not Believer. Definitely not. Oh, bummer. Yeah. So uh, you have to be dead on with the with the guess, but I'll give you two guesses each because okay. it's 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 a number. Okay. What age was Max von Sydow when he filmed the original Exorcist? Forty three. Wrong. Forty four. Correct? Yes. Yeah. Despite looking like he's 80, he was only 44 at the time of The Exorcist. Yeah. I know I've read that before because he does look, they did a really good job aging him with the makeup and everything. They did because they they did it subtly in a way. You know, it's not like, you know, when people age people in movies, they tend to put a lot of prosthetics on, which makes it look fake. Whereas in that one, he actually looked like an old man. You know, which is weird because then uh, you always think like, you know, a few years, he unfortunately passed away like maybe, what, two years ago? And you kept thinking, fuck, he was old in, you know, the early 70s. It's how How is he still alive? But yeah, it's just great makeup. Awesome. All right. I will go next in honor of our Halloween spooktacular. I do this every single year. All my questions will be Halloween movie or holiday related. So, first question. Horror trivia, basically. Yes. So, (laughs) kind of, but kind, you know, it's a little different. So, in honor of our event, of course, our first question will be Hocus Pocus related. So, what was the original title for Disney's Hocus Pocus? Um, it was something stupid. Remember? It was something stupid. Uh, Abra Kadabra. Abra, Abra Kadabra. Kadabra. I wanna reach out and grab you. Well, Mick Garris wrote it, so it's probably something really fucking dumb. <laughs> Whoa. Um, <laughs> um, Not wrong. Uh, witches. Incorrect. But that is a good movie, The Witches. Of course, we're all dull. Incorrect. Would you like another guess, either of you? I don't hey, know. I don't know. Okay, so the original working title, of course, based off of Mick Garris's original screenplay, was it was called supposed to be called Halloween House, and it was actually a um, it was actually a horror a horror movie that Hmm. Disney ended up picking up and turning it into a family friendly movie. But uh, I actually had this discussion with Vanessa Shaw over the weekend when she read she did read that original script and she said it was very scary. So I'm sure it's it's got to be flying out there somewhere mm. online, and I'm sure you could read it, but pretty cool. I I can't imagine like apparently from what I from what I did read, I did read a little bit of some uh, Mick Harris's stuff about this, and like Billy Butcherson was in the original script, but he was supposed to look like a Romero sort of style zombie, like a terrifying, mm. bloody, 
decaying I mean, one. You can definitely see the essence of it, right? I mean, it's three witches yeah. that want to kill children, you know, even right. in the Disney version. So you can kind of see where, I guess, the influence came from. But I don't like that title. Halloween House just seems like That's a cheap right. title. Cheap title from a cheap director. <laughs> All right, so I am writing a massive book of horror trivia. So I'm going to pull stuff from my little book here. Ooh. In the novel version of The Shining, also in the mini TV series, which we all watched, what chases Danny Torrance outside the hotel? Uh, animal uh, shrubbery. Correct. Yeah. Animal mm-hmm. shrubbery. All right. So four clues. They're a little out there this week, so bear, bear with me, but I'm sure you guys will, will get it. Clue number one. It's not going to lick itself. Oh. I know this. I know this one because <laughs> I think we all made a joke about it at one point. Yeah. But what is the fucking movie? Clue number yeah. two. I shaved my balls for this. <laughs> Clue number three, boner donor. Oh, my God. And probably the giveaway, clue number four, kayaking makes me wet. Oh, it's the shirts from Huey Halloween. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I the fucking love the shirts. <laughs> oh, what happened to my... I, we all got shirts at one point. We did. We did. Uh, we did. I don't know where mine are at. <laughs> <laughs> that that's the one I picked was uh... I remember they kept sending them like it was like some glitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> that was Joe's point. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that where you're going uh, with the first one or no, I, I... no, yeah. Me either. <laughs> I I was thinking actually like I think American Psycho when you said like that it's not gonna okay. lick itself. I think that's like <laughs> um, don't just stand there, eat it. Uh, all right. <laughs> Okay, uh, question question number two. Ooh. How many calories are in an average trick-or-treater's Halloween stash? Oh, my God. Closest to you, uh, I hope. <laughs> yeah, I'll go closest, sure. 7,000. 7,000, okay. That bag of candy. But each candy is like, the little minis are like 110. Yeah, I'm going to go... Um... Eight thousand. You bitch. <laughs> and he gets it just due to that. Um, it is is actually eleven thousand calories. Oof. The average trick-or-treaters bag. I eat about four thousand of them right off the bat. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. Let's see here. This low-budget film from 2015 features a possessed great white shark. Ooh. A possessed great white shark. Is this it shark exorcist? Yes, it is. <laughs> three killer animals and bugs. Steve with the point. Are we ever going to get shark exorcist two? I don't know, man. <laughs> we we backed that like what two years ago? Like now? Years ago. Aren't you guys like executive producers on it? Yes, we are. <laughs> All right. Ridiculous. Guess the movie based off the IMDb parental guide. Ooh. Starting with sex and. Nudity. A woman's dead body is seen stashed in a closet. Her nightgown is open, breasts and nipples briefly visible. Okay. I like Vi- that. Violence and gore. 
I mean, not, you know what I mean. <laughs> a man's you bloody know, corpse is shown on the side of the road. Blood is shown on his face and head. Profanity. Three uses of damn, four uses of shit, and two uses of ass. Mm. Uh-huh. <laughs> so not much. Not much for fanny. Okay. No, not much for fanny. Alcohol, drugs, and smoking. Yep. A girl and a boy drink beer in a car and are later shown smoking cigarettes. Halloween. While... Correct. <laughs> yeah. Right. Can't believe that's the one they give it to you. <laughs> I I had it in the first one, but mm. I didn't want to blow my load on sure. premature there, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. All right, back to me. Yep. Okay. Who sang the original Halloween song? John Carpenter. The one everyone loves. The mon- No, no. He's Hold just on. singing it. Wait till I finish it up. Who sang the original Halloween classic, The Monster Mash? Oh, it's fuck. the Monster Mash. The Monster Mash. I just saw trivia Mash. about that today. It was 1967. It is a monster mash. Oh. Hot singing is helping oh. so much. <laughs> I have it in my my Spotify playlist, but I'm not gonna cheat. I'm not gonna cheat. Oh, oh my god! I oh. just just saw his name. They they're talking about something about it on on an article I was just reading. The zombies were having fun. <laughs> the party had just begun. I feel like it's something like Boris or Otis or something. His name is Buster, isn't it? It is not something like that. Something like unique. I don't Dracula remember. And his son. The correct answer is Bobby Pickett. Bobby Ooh, I was Pickett. Completely mm. wrong. Okay. Bobby Pickett tried to stick can it. Can we can we end the show today with Monster Mash Steven on our Halloween? Is that a possibility? Mm, yeah, I just have to cut it really short because. <laughs> okay. Actually, I'll just use Todd singing it. <laughs> to get around copyright <laughs> fair use even if you could, right. could you do you could probably do like a one of those like uh cover versions so we wouldn't yeah. get copyrighted I guess. Right. all right final <clears throat> final thing here night of the lepus from 1972 concerns what type of angry animal is it uh, like a cheetah incorrect it is a slugs. Correct. Correct answer is a nice little bunny rabbit. How Ooh. sweet! <laughs> little sweet little bunny rabbits. I have one fun bonus one in honor oh. of our Halloween spooktacular. Let's go. Okay. What is the most popular Halloween candy in America? Candy corn. Incorrect. Reese's peanut butter cups. You know, that's what I would have guessed too, but that no. is not correct. Lollipops? <laughs> incorrect. All right, one more guess for me then. Steve got two. Um, it's not Reese's. That's really, really lame. Uh, I'm going to go with something weird Jolly Ranchers. Incorrect. This one surprised me a bit too, but the correct answer is Skittles. Really? Oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. Huh. Everyone, no, peanut butter cups, man. Everyone always asks for those. That's the first I thing agree. that goes. For sure, but there are a lot of still an amount of our candy supply for like a month. A lot of people people have peanut allergies these days, so I'm assuming that's why it's not. Yes, and then I'll give one more bonus one because Halloween's spectacular. Let's keep it fun. What were the first ever fun-sized candy bars? Snicker. Nothing like American candy questions. (laughs) 
Snickers for and the Snickers and Milky Way. Apparently, they released at the same time, same company. So hmm. I've been fucking pilfering out of our bags since my wife got them from Costco. It was a mistake for her to get them and allow me to know the location because, man, I've eaten like a fourth of one of those giant fucking Costco bags. <laughs> the kids are going to come and be like, sorry, <laughs> sorry. we're out of candy. I all, I guys, all. all I got is plain M&Ms, a.k.a. Smarties in Canada. <laughs> yeah. All right. Steve with Big Night, three points. Joe and I both tied at two, which brings us to Steve and Joe tied at seven and me with six for quarter number four. All right. First up on the list is All Hallows Eve. This one is Send the Clown from Hell. Beautiful. Uns- unsuspecting Sarah is looking forward to a quiet Halloween night at home with the two young teens she's babysitting. Then she discovers an unmarked old VHS tape in one of the kids' bags of candy. On the tape, a series of wildly outlandish tales of murder, torture, and unearthly mayhem all somehow linked to a diabolical clown from hell. As each tale ratchets up the terror, bizarre phenomena begin to occur in the house, and Sarah discovers that the grimacing, white-faced clown in the video may be saving his most horrific All Hallows Eve treat. This one came out in 2013, which is the precursor to everyone's favorite clown, Terrifier. Uh, All Hallows Eve is an anthology film, and the wraparound is of the title character, Art the Clown. And then we have three little stories sprinkled in within as well. So the story basically is a, a, a lady, she's babysitting two kids on Halloween and one of the boys or the boy comes home and they're like emptying out their candy and things like that. And they find a v- unmarked VHS tape in the boy's bag. And of course, like, you know, they want to watch it. She doesn't. So they decide to long story short, they put in the VHS tape in the player and play it. And then it starts off with like a bunch of creepy little weird indie looking horror films. Yeah, so the wraparounds, the the lady babysitting the kids while they're watching the film. The first part in the story is a train station where this girl's at a train station waiting and Art the Clown shows up. Art the Clown kidnaps her, which I have a question about that later, and takes her to like an underground subterranean kind of thing where there's a beast there and weird things happen. Part two is a lady that's home alone and an alien invasion happens and she's stalked through her house from an alien. And part three is a gas station where this lady pulls over to get some gas Art the Clown shows back up, and we follow them on their hijinks as she tries to escape them. Then eventually we get back to the wraparound where maybe Art the Clown shows up to the babysitter's house. We'll see. Um, when I officially, uh, initially watched this film, you know, five or so years ago, I had it a little bit higher. And I think it has to do with the the saturation of Art the Clown right now that I kind of dropped it a bit. We've seen our iteration with David Howard Thornton as Art the Clown, and this one obviously was a different actor that plays him. So I don't know if that had something to do with it as well. I still think all the Art, Art the Clown stuff is really solid, especially the last 20 minutes. But I dropped this down a little bit just because I think uh, the first part is a little bit boring and the second one I thought was just plain awful. But what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, this was fun to re- to go back to and revisit because obviously Art the Clown right now is... He is it. He is the man on the street. You know, he's he's what is hot out there. You even have people out there dressing like him turning into local Salem celebrities, uh, apparently. Um, for those that don't know, I bust his art the clown and it turned into a whole situation. And if you're in our Discord, you know more. So there's a little tease to go join our Discord so you can get the full story about that. But it was really fun to go back, see what Art the Clown was all about here. I gotta say, I really like this version of Art the Clown. I, I think it's a little different than how David Howard Thornton portrays it. So it was interesting to see um, Mike Gianelli, who is the actor for this one, his interpretation. I feel like it's a lot darker 
and not as comedic as kind of David Howard Thornton put into it. Uh, I really liked it. I really thought it was cool. Now, as far as the movie as a whole, I really love the wraparound story. I love the sort of babysitter um, with the kids situation. I really dig that. The first story, it's just okay. The art, the clown stuff is cool. But once we get into sort of that underground layer, I think we lose a little bit with it. The second story is 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 terrible. It is what really drags this movie down. When honestly, and I think it's because when Art the Clown is not on screen, like they completely just devoid Art the Clown in the in the second story completely, where he kind of is a part of every single other story, even that first one. So I mean, obviously, you really can't get Art the Clown involved when you're dealing with aliens, but maybe you could. Well, well you could. His, his painting is there. I, yeah, I guess so. So maybe you could have found a way to sort of insert him some way and maybe it would have brought the story up. But that second part really drags the entire movie down. Fortunately, though, the third part saves this movie. and It's without a doubt the best part of this entire movie. And then the end of the wraparound I found to be fantastic and quite disturbing. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a mixed bag, but I definitely come out more positive than negative on it. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way as you guys about the movie. I, I really like the wraparound. It really made me feel like when I go home after Halloween and look through my bag. Now, I wouldn't get a weird VHS tape, but I'd always have at least one weird item, you know, whether it's like a toothbrush or like a religious like bible or something you know there was always something different than candy in there that uh was weird so i, I like that a whole idea just the idea that they're gonna watch this horror movie that they don't know what's on the tape and i, I thought it was a cool wraparound that kept me interested throughout the whole thing i actually disagree with joe on art i because i've seen david howard thornton's portrayal I, it, it just felt off you know even though this is the original portrayal of art the clown Having now seen Thornton's version, I'm just like, oh, this just doesn't feel right because he just doesn't move the same, doesn't look as creepy. So I, I was kind of, you know, kind of thrown off a little bit by this version of Art the Clown. Although I did dig when he has the, like the light in his eyes early in the film. I thought that was a really cool look. Uh, like you guys said, the first story had its moments, but just it was just like all over the place story wise. Like I didn't really understand what the hell was going on. I was just kind of entertained by what the creatures look like and the final scene, which was kind of brutal. But the rest of it was just like, okay, I, I don't understand where this is where this is going at all. Is there like a lizard in the sewer? Like what what the hell is this? The second story is terrible. Like god awful. I was so bored. I was already tired because of the weekend, and I was just like, what, where? Like what's happening? It's just like a guy who looks like he's in an alien costume, doesn't he look like an alien. It's just like a guy dressed up as an alien stalking someone in a house for, what, like 20 minutes? And nothing happens. It just, like, it's so boring. <laughs> so that didn't do it at all. But again, like both of you said, that last story really saves it. It's it's brutal. Art is terrifying. He's There's some really good gore in it. It's It's unique as well, some of the things that happen in that one. And then, of course, the wrap-up I thought was actually really good. So, yeah, I, I think it was good overall, but there are a lot of issues as well. Do we know why this actor didn't return for art in Terrifier 1 and 2? 
Yeah, he he actually wasn't interested. He was like, so he yeah, he's did, kicking himself for that. Fuck. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, he was. He did this one as sort of a favor to uh, Damien Leone. They were they're just like good friends, and obviously this is just low budget indie. And he was like, yeah, I'll do it. And then he asked him to come back for the first Terrifier movie, and he was like, I'm good. Like, uh, you know, I'm not an actor. He's he basically said, I'm not an actor and I'm just really not that interested in doing it. So then with that, Leone, he sort of had a different, you know, he wanted to do something a little different with art. Once he kind of passed, he wanted art to be a little taller and skinnier and stuff like that. So then he went and found David Hart Thornton. And and don't get me wrong, Steve, like I, David Hart Thornton is clearly the better art, the clown. But I do think Gianelli does a good job as well. They're just two totally different sort of portrayals. But yeah, I mean, I, I, it was interesting to see the progression for me. Yeah, I like them both, honestly. I think that they both did extremely well. And mm-hmm. I mean, I thought Art was fucking really... I mean, he's a creepy character, regardless. And the creepiest aspects I think he does is not when he's like fucking around or like skinning somebody alive or whatever, but it's when he does those stare at the character maybe a little drool maybe a little like crazy eye something like just the subtleties in the in the performances i think where this character shines in not only this film but in terrifier one and two as well but um yeah i think we can i i do have one question and then i guess we can all get to part three which we and the wraparound which we would probably prefer to talk about but so in section one art kidnaps people to feed them or to give them to demon cults to get raped is that what i'm seeing here yeah, it's very <laughs> not uh, clear. You know, I don't know if it's, you know, he did drug her, right? So is this sort of like a sort of her sort of drug-induced visions we're seeing in this part? I mean, it's not very clear, but art, obviously, we come to find is, is pretty supernatural, you know, in the, the two Terrifier movies. So I guess it's possible. <laughs> I don't know. I think you could interpret it either way it's either we're either basing this in some sort of supernatural reality or this is sort of a dream sequence a drug-induced dream sequence yeah it, it was very confusing what was going on in this one and it really to me boiled down to well the masks were cool during the like kind of cult ceremony and it was you know kind of gross with the whole cutting the baby out of the stomach uh, scene but the story itself was just so messy that I wasn't into it at all. It was more like a showcase of what Leone could do with gore than it was me enjoying watching, you know, the story progress. So, yeah, it's it's very forgettable. You know, something I won't think about for very long. And number two is just plain awful. <laughs> I would like to rate the first segment, if you guys sure. don't mind. I gave it a two and a half out of five because, like you said, I the the gore and the effects were amazing. But everything else is like, all right, let's throw the kitchen sink and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, I'm right. I'm, I think I'm about the same, a two and a half out of five as well. I thought I love the stuff in the train station before we get sort of to that, you know, craziness after the fact. So I think that part is great. You know, I would rate that higher, but the second half uh, bogs it down. So yeah, two and a half out of five for me too. I give it two out of five. I, I don't think it like went up to five 2.5 personally but yeah it, it was cool to see what leone could do but the story i was really wasn't into it 
I was more confused than anything. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, what, 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 what yeah, is the this? Mutant, the mutant guy that attacks. Yeah, mutant guy. Then you had Art involved at some point, And like, where are they? They're in a sewer, but they're still at the train. I like, I was completely confused what the fuck was going on. Then this cult comes in. I don't know why. I don't know what the hell. It just made some, no sense to me. But it, it got saved essentially by good practical effects. Yeah. And I know it's a movie, but I'm going to do a little critique here. <laughs> Who's this, who's, this, fil- this. who's filming this? Did Art film <laughs> these murders and, and stuff, edit it together, put it on a VHS tape, and then give it to the kid? <laughs> it's a Todd's grape. Yeah. It's Todd's grape. It's, yeah. it's all supernatural, man. Like yeah, Art yeah. is supernatural. He put that he knew like what he you know what he was gonna kill like that night. So I think it's a whole sort I of supernatural that situation. Scene. That would have been a cool scene. Him trick or treating scaring the kid or something but whatever. yeah that would have been cool like seeing right seeing him walk around the neighborhood yeah like sort of like a michael myers type situation oh, yeah. yeah that'd be sweet yeah part two i mean we can there's not a lot to say about this it was fucking boring it was goofy i hated the way the alien walked and and moved and like heavy kind of like swaying in the air who does that i thought the art to pick art, art the clown painting was i thought it was stupid it, it was out of place it was dumb it, like didn't mean anything to the story and it was just there just to have a connection and yeah, fuck this segment. Yeah, I mean, it was just boring, right? Like, I felt like it was just filler. Like, I feel like he was just like, he wanted to make a feature, right? So he was like, I need to fill time. Um, and, you know, I can't, I have like run out of ideas of art, the clown stuff to do, I guess, or something. Like, I, I just feel like the studio, like he was trying to get this like made and like someone said, we need one more segment or something. And they had already filmed the movie, so they went out and bought a couple of cheap Halloween costumes, and this is what we get. Because the practical effects in the first one and throughout the entire movie are great. And, like, you're telling me you couldn't put a budget towards a, a better alien costume than that? I mean, it is it is awful. It looks terrible. And then, yeah, I mean, nothing happens. It's literally just an alien walking around a house for 20 minutes with, and the girl hiding behind stuff. There's just nothing interesting here. It's, it's just an absolute stinker and it, it just bogs the entire movie down. It's a shame too. Cause if they did something better here, I mean, this movie had potential to be one of the better anthologies or low budget anthologies anyway. Yeah, I agree. The fact that this is in the middle and you have the best segment at the end. I don't know if a lot of people like made it through this because they got bored through this segment you know it was, it's really really bad uh the only thing my only takeaway from this segment other than the costumes looking absolutely terrible was i wonder if damien leone has that painting on his wall because in a way this made his career <laughs> yeah right so that painting must be like uh it should be fucking right in his living room you know, or over his bed or something you know so i wonder where that painting is right now uh. I would love to hear. I'm sure he's been asked about it at panels and cons. I would love to hear his like story on why he chose to do this particular segment. Well, we'll ask him when we do uh, again for for Terrifier three. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Honestly, it doesn't feel like he made this movie either. It doesn't. It's so tonally different. There's no gore, nothing. I think he might be on the right track, Joe. Like they're like, hey man, we need something now. Hmm. Throw something together, and he got some chicken. That was it. Uh, Yeah. Has um, has Leone done anything other than he he's done some random shit? I was looking him up, and it was almost like he was a director for hire. I'll bring up his film, a filmography real quick. 
Yeah, because I'm curious now if without art, what would Leone be like? And if this yeah. is it, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he's super talented, obviously, with the yeah. art stuff. So, so have... yeah, I mean, he, he was also sorry. He was also a very like young filmmaker. Yeah. Oh, then, for so sure. I, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I feel like I, I would love to see like what he can do outside of art. Yeah. I mean, shoot, respect, obviously. Like, he's oh, yeah. a, he's a t- very talented filmmaker, but hey, you got to critique him. If he works out there, it gets critiqued. That's how it is. Terrifier, Terrifier 2, All Hallows Eve, obviously. Terrifier, which is a 20 minute short. Terrifier 3, uh, <laughs> The Ninth Circle, which is 11 minutes short. And this is the one where I think he was a director for hire. Frankenstein versus The Mummy from 2015, currently on Tubi, Steve. Oh, got to watch Go it. Check it out. Isn't uh, Nine Circles of Hell and Terrifier the segments of this movie? Um, yeah, they're they're like shorts that were made, I think, oh. before. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. A woman is abducted by a sinister stranger on Halloween night for a fate worse than death. So that's got to be the first one. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. So that that one, that almost proves it because the shorts are the story one and three. He didn't do a short for two, so maybe it was just an add-on at the last minute. Oh yeah, and then the. 20 minute short is segment number three. Yeah, so there you go. There's there's almost our proof. <laughs> yep, nailed it. <laughs> and, then, and then Frankenstein versus the mummy, which I'm extremely interested. I'm gonna yeah, add that. Now, now we gotta watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. All right. I, I gave this segment a one out of five. Yeah. Same. Same. Okay. Unanimous. And then uh part three, gas station, man. I woof, this is where it takes off and just doesn't stop. I, I absolutely loved it. It's gruesome, especially the ending. I love the scene where Art pulls out a gun and shoots the fucking guy in the head when he when we think he's getting away. I think it's really cool. But the the thing I love the most about this particular segment is the tie-in with the wraparound where well i guess we'll stick to segment three she makes a call trying to call for help and then that shows up later in the wraparound but yeah part three i was fucking loving it what about you guys loved it this is i mean this is the best you know of the three segments besides the wraparound which i think might be the best i don't know it's pretty close but this one is fantastic it reminded me a lot of the creep show segment uh the hitchhiker in a lot of ways, you know, they, I feel like it's even an homage, right. Where he was even holding the circus sign at one point. I don't think, I think that was definitely Leone's sort of nod to the creep show series. Yeah. It's great. There's fantastic gore in here. Art, the clown is just creepy as hell. Just him sort of stalking this girl. And you know, his first interaction is him that he was like shitting and smearing it all over the sort of bathroom walls. It just shows like how deranged, sort of this and unhinged this character is and it's also the first time we see art use a gun you know which comes into play throughout sort of the entire terrifier series i love how people are like why is art use a gun um it's because he doesn't give a fuck there are no rules with this character which is pretty cool so yeah i thought i I really really enjoyed this segment me too i really really enjoyed this segment I, i like that this segment also ties into the first terrifier with uh the woman in the car accident right so it's it shows that this series does have continuity, even though you know a lot of people probably haven't seen All Hallows Eve, which is actually the reason I put it up for vote. So we put all these movies up to vote. All Hallows Eve was my pick, and it was simply for that reason that now that Art the Clown is so hot, I think people should check out this movie, you know, it, for better or worse now because that second segment kind of kills it. But uh, this segment is totally worth the wait, and you get some great gore. 
you really get to see the essence of art and a lot of the influences that would come into play in Terrifier 1 and 2, the way he moves, the way he does certain things, he's got his garbage bag that he carries around with his uh, with his goodies. Uh, I do like the whole gun thing because slashers don't use guns. You know, it's almost it was almost like an unwritten horror rule and art is kind of the, you know, he's he's like the dark horse of slashers. He came out of nothing, right? Unlike the, all the other ones who started in these pretty big movies, uh, like theatrical releases, he's coming out from nowhere. And now Terrifier 3, I believe, is going to be a theatrical film. So it, it's kind of crazy. He's like the anti-slasher in a weird way. So using guns really makes sense. And there's some great fucking practical effects in this story. And this is where you, I mean, Leone's so good at practical effects. He could be just a special effects guy, you know, but he's such a talented writer and director at the same time. It's, uh, he's an impressive dude, you know, and this is, the fact that he did this so early on in his career is really impressive. I, I enjoyed this segment a lot. Raider? Yeah. I think it's a four and a half out of five for me. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm at a four out of five on it. Yeah. Four, four out of five as well. And we, we definitely cracked the case because Nice Circle came out in 2008. The Terrifier short came out in uh, 2011. All Hallows Eve was 2013. So you definitely filmed these different times hmm. and slapped them together. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> Live, too. <laughs> um, <laughs> what about the wraparound? So you Man, both said that you liked it. I, yeah. I liked it a lot. However, I loved it towards the end. I thought it drug a little bit between segments and I absolutely hated when they kept cutting from the film that we were supposed to be watching on VHS tape to the characters reactions. I don't care. I don't care. Like the, the kids are so fucking annoying, except especially the boy. I just want to bitch slap him, but like focus on the, on the thing. I don't need to cut to see what the babysitter's reaction is. We know she's not into it, whatever. But what I really liked is how clever it was tied in from part three to the wraparound, especially when the third girl she's calling. And then that person is actually calling the babysitter and she answers the phone and puts two and two together. And then art comes for her through the video, essentially, which I thought was just fucking really cool. Agreed. The whole sort of tie in to that third story with the phone call was, was awesome. It was amazing. I absolutely loved that. And then obviously her going upstairs and I mean, there's no holding back. I mean, he fucking massacred the children and you have their two heads on the bed. They're in pieces. Art's just sitting there sort of laughing at his sort of art artwork, you know, no pun, pun intended, that he created. It's just a really effective, disturbing way to end this this whole story. And I, I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought this was such a great wraparound. The only thing I personally would have added to it is I would have tied all the stories together just as like a little, just to make it look like it was all kind of planned out. You know, I would have had art, you know, kind of finish everyone off and then put the flower from the first segment, like on like next to the heads of the bed and then hang his picture, like as the final move onto the, onto the wall, as if, you know, just to tie everything kind of nicely together to show that this is all kind of planned. Uh, but I, I really liked it. it. The Halloween feel, the fact that it's part of you know Halloween night and uh, the I can't believe he went there with the kids and showed it. So yeah, that was uh, pretty crazy. So I, I liked it a lot. Overall, rate. All right. Yep. That's Raider. Overall, I am sitting at a three. Oh, go ahead, Steve. Joe, whatever's talking. 
Um, are we rating the whole thing or the wrap this wrap around? I say just whole thing. Whole thing. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, like I said, it's a mixed bag, right? So I think it's fifty fifty. Like the wrap around and the last story are to me pretty fantastic. Like they're really, really great stories. The other two, unfortunately, aren't as good. But overall, I I had a really good time watching it. It's even the first one is definitely watchable. The second one's just so tough and really drags it down. But I would watch it again. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be like an every year Halloween tradition or anything like that, but I think a once in a while pop it in, it's worth it. I mean, I think watch the other two terror. Well, I don't know. Like the first terrifier movie is not that great, honestly. So th- I feel like it's kind of on par with that first terrifier movie. Um, if you're going to watch any of them, obviously watch terrifier two. That is far and away the best art, the clown movie so far, but for this one, I'm going to give it a three out of five. Yeah, and I'm sitting a little higher at three and a half. I think art is a great character. But while while you were talking, I I was hoping like I was thinking part one, Terrifier, is rough for different reasons, and two is rough for different reasons, mostly because that runtime is ridiculously long. I'm hoping three takes the bad away from part one and two, and finally marries it all together for an awesome film. And you know what? I I'm gonna see it, and I'm looking forward to it. But this one. Is a three and a half out of five for the exact reasons Joe mentioned. So I was a three out of five when I first watched it. Not first, well, I first watched it like five, six years ago, but I watched it maybe like a year and a half ago, two years ago. And I gave three to five upon rewatch, still three out of five. Love that last segment, love the wraparound, hate the second segment. Okay, first segment. So I think three out of five is where I'm comfortable with this one. It's I think it's worth watching, Ellie, especially with everyone, you know, kind of being all over Art to Clown these days. I think people should at least check it out. Uh, mine was on Tubi, so I don't know where. I don't, Todd, you have the uh, the DVD, and I'm not sure where you watch it, Joe, but it's definitely available out there if you want to check it out. It's on Tubi. Tubi. Here in the States, anyway. All right. Our final uh, review of the night is 2023's Talk to Me, which was in theaters a while back. Now it's on demand. 499 rental for Amazon Prime, which is where I watched it. Directed by Michael and Danny. I'm going to butcher his last name. I apologize. Philippou, you call the answer. When a group of friends discover how, how to conjure spirits using an embalmed hand, they become hooked on the new thrill until one of them goes too far and unleashes terrifying supernatural forces so we open up in a little party over in australia young guys and girls are drinking and having a good time we learn that one of them is locked in a bedroom his brother i believe comes and kicks the door in because i think that they're they think the guy that's uh, locked himself in the bedroom is self-harming himself which disclaimer if you're feeling like that please get help so he takes his brother out like hey we're getting out of here whatever his brother takes a knife and stabs his his rescuer and then stabs himself in the head and that's all we get from that scene. Now we are introduced to a young lady who pretty much lives estranged from her father because her mother passed away some time ago. And now she basically just lives with her best friend's family. And she's accepted as one of, one of the kids there. We eventually get to a party. And we also kind of know that the main character is a little bit of a social outcast. For whatever reason, she's not invited to the parties. People think she's annoying, whatever. But she goes there and volunteers for this seance kind of thing that they're watching on on like YouTube earlier or whatever, or from their friend group's videos, where basically the legend has it that this hand was embalmed and then cast over 
some kind of fucking resin or something, and it was someone that could speak to the dead. And all you need to do is hold on to this thing, light a candle, and say, talk to me. And then a spirit will come talk to you. And then you say something like, um, I allow you in or something, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. And then that spirit will take over your body. They allow you to do it for 90 seconds, anything over that, and you'll have dire consequences. And of course, our character fails, and it has more than 90 seconds. And then she lets her kid brother who's, well, not her real brother, but whatever, except in this family, lets her kid brother eventually do the seance as well, and he just fucking goes crazy. And now we're following them in the film as they're trying to figure out how to help the brother because he's just in a coma, and every time he wakes up, he wants to kill himself. And they're trying to figure out, like, how to defeat the spirits or whatever they're trying to do to right the ship. Heard overwhelmingly positive things about this, and overall, I'm a positive on this film. I'm not as high as I think a lot of people are on it, but I think it's still pretty solid. I do have one note that I only I took so I I don't know if I deleted the rest or what so you guys help me out on that one but uh overall initial is a positive experience yeah I I was really excited to see this but like the initial my initial reaction was like what the first time I ever saw this trailer was like oh this like seems very different for an a24 type movie and I think it is in a lot of ways but not in a bad way you know this is sort of a I don't know it it's a i don't know how to describe it it's not like your typical sort of a24 thinker movie i feel like like it's kind it's not of as artsy no exactly it's not very art house it's definitely your you know a horror movie but it's smart in a lot of ways they still get into some very serious themes with you know dealing with suicide and um self-harm and stuff like that so I loved it, honestly. I really did. I, I really, really dug this movie a lot. It honestly surprised me. I was not expect based on the trailers, I was not expecting to love it as much as I did. But I thought they did so many smart things with it. There were parts that made me cringe and made my eyes wince, uh, especially the brother's possession scene when he's just fucking absolutely beating the shit out of himself i thought the makeup work in this was top fucking notch like some of those like possessed uh entities were fucking terrifying i absolutely loved the talk to me game as well i thought that was just so unique in some way like a unique way to introduce something that isn't um new but make it new in its own way so i thought that was really cool and i felt although it's not maybe an original story it brought new like breath like life and fresh breath into sort of this possession exorcism type genre that we really haven't seen before in a lot of ways so i thought it melded a lot of these ideas together in almost a perfect way i mean there's definitely some issues here but overall for me it's it's definitely one of my favorites of the year so far yeah i echo a lot of what joe said um, when I first saw the trailer, I felt it had a very generic look to it. Something like Truth or Dare, uh, you know, from a few years back, like kind of a popcorn horror flick. And I wasn't really into it, but it, I knew A24 made it. So I was kind of still curious because A24 doesn't typically make movies like that. So when I saw it in theaters, I, I was surprised. You know, I actually really, really dug it when I saw it in theaters. And there's a lot of great stuff in this. You know, I, I really like the whole story you know the the whole idea of the the background of the hand how the hand works the fact that you're brought into this world of the dead and then it take over your body it's i think it's really brilliant like joe said the makeup is fantastic there are some absolutely brutal gore scenes in this 
Uh, they do some weird stuff too that's out of nowhere, like a dog making out with someone, which was super gross, and the foot fetish thing that was super gross. And um, yeah, I think it was a smart movie. There was a lot to love about it. There are a few things I'm not as big of a fan of, but what I like the most about it is it kind of turns into a very dark version of The Sixth Sense, where the, you know, in The Sixth Sense, Cole, the main character, he sees dead people and they kind of help him or they need help, you know, his help and they communicate. Well, it's kind of like that in a way. It's like the dead people start communicating with the main character in this and but it's way darker and way creepier and they're making her do stuff that's pretty bad and it's i don't know i, I thought it was cool i just uh, there are a few issues that kind of bring it down a little bit and upon rewatch even though i i'm still super high on it and that'll reflect in my score i do see it a little bit lower than i did the first time and i'll talk about why with some of the specifics yeah, one of my nitpicks is I think it's a little con- too convenient. And I think the plot moves a little too quick. Like we're just thrown into this. We have this amazing device so we can speak to the dead and to the kids. It's just like a party trick. And I can understand too, like the kids would absolutely treat it like that. But it just seemed a little bit off pacing wise for it to be revealed so early on with just like no question about its valid- validity to it. Yeah, so I thought, and I'm glad they didn't go this way. I thought for sure we were going to end up being like, oh, the only way to save the brother is to go find where this hand came from and who created it, which, like, we've seen in every fucking horror movie, like, ever, right? So, like, it's so generic, and I I am glad they didn't go that way with it. So I personally didn't mind that we're just kind of thrusted into this, and the mystery is kept a mystery. Yeah, I like that too, because it reminded me of stories I heard like in college of these legends, uh, you know, passed down from like college to college or from student to student over generations. Like, oh yeah, my sister went to this school and they did this. And, you know, it's, I, I kind of like the whole history of it being that, you know, that it was kind of passed down and this hand, essentially people are abusing it by making it kind of party tricks and stuff like that. I thought it was a unique way to kind of bring it into the story. And uh, then turn it on its head a little bit with what ends up happening with it. So, no, I, I like that part as well. It, it also drove me crazy, crazy that, like, they have this preparation and stuff. Like, they tie the person down. Like, you got to blow up the candle. But no one thinks to, like, double up on pulling the hand out of the fucking guy. Maybe let's not wait till the final second to pull the hand away. Maybe let's give it, like, 10 seconds, and it brings me back to Joe's point from the fucking Purge of all movies. I think it was Joe that made it. It's like, why is everyone getting ready for the Purge two minutes before the fucking Purge happens? Lock the gate 12 hours earlier, dumb fuck. But, like, they're, like, struggling to get the fucking demon hands out, and, like, okay, now we went over 90 seconds. Like, my main issue with, like, the convenience of it, too, is not only, like, oh, they have this, it's not a big deal, but, like, it's there's no preparation like there's no like i don't know it's just they're fucking kids i guess i gotta chalk it up to that that's what i was gonna say i was like they're kids right they're dumb like most kids like are, are dumb they're like oh it has to be 90 seconds all right i'm like the 89th second or whatever that's when we're gonna do it right like <laughs> us as adults we would be like okay we definitely need a fail like a, a safe plan or something but like when i was at age two you're like a fucking daredevil we were fucking like jumping on our hoods and doing the fucking teen wolf you know what i mean i mean kids are dumb <laughs> as shit so. everyone, everyone made a jackass video too <laughs> 
Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say, too. I mean, remember, there was a time where people would, like, plank everything, you know, where you had to, like, be perfectly still, and they'd want people would start try to one-up each other and eventually, until people start dying from it. I think it's kind of the same thing, right? People will test the limits of what this thing can do until someone goes too far and then suffer the consequences, which is exactly kind of what happens in this story. I, I got to say, too, I, the, the foot-sucking scene immediately took me out of the film I, I i don't understand the purpose for it i think it was it was a comedic relief was it supposed supposed to be scary either of those i thought was just stupid because i i just laughed and i was like all right this is dumb it was definitely a little goofy for sure i don't know i think it was just a way to show like all of these sort of entities that are in her i suppose there was also like this weird sexual chemistry between the two of them too right between her and the other girl's boyfriend. That, Remember like, they when they date. hold hands. <laughs> right. They like used to date and stuff like that. So I felt like that was a way for one of, one of the demon or whatever was possessing her was to sort of like, like it was like a play on that. They were sort of teasing her, I guess, or something like that. But yeah, I mean, it was a little goofy, but I was kind of okay with it because I just felt like the demons were sort of playing games. Obviously, like they were pretending to be her mother too, right? And like, and kind of playing on her emotions as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of the uh, the whole ex-boyfriend thing in this movie. Uh, I liked it a, like, a little bit, but they went way too far into it. Because as soon as the kid you know, smashes his face in, she basically goes to bed with him. Like, she doesn't actually, you know, well, she does sleep with him, but she doesn't, like, have sex with him. She does like, sleep in the same bed with him. And, I don't know, it was just, like, I find the middle of this movie slowed down. A little too much in my end because we're thrust into this world of the dead and them fucking around with it and then you have that incredible and tough to watch scene with the brother and then the movie almost takes like a stop for 25 minutes of her kind of you know seeing things a little bit and uh, dealing with the ex-boyfriend I don't know it's just I, I I feel like some of that could have been cut out, despite the movie really only being what, like ninety five minutes. So I gotta say though, like props to Sophie Wilde, our main actress here, Mia. She right now is probably my favorite female performance of the year because I can't think of anyone else currently at the moment that's sticking out. But she definitely carries this movie. I, I thought she was great. I thought she was fantastic in it. Yeah, I mean would. Is there anyone else that yeah, comes I'm, to your mind for favorite female performance? Actually, yeah, she's she's my number two. So there is someone number two. Uh, okay, r- right yeah. now I have I, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but um, the one who played the de- the demon in Evil Dead Rise, Alyssa Sutherland. Alyssa Sutherland. She did such a fucking good job as Indeed. both the human version of and then the Deadite after. So. It was really between these two, but after rewatching this, I mean, Sophie Wilde is fucking amazing in this. There's no doubt about it. But I think I like Alyssa Sutherland's performance slightly better. How did you feel about like the whole brother? Like I, I just felt so bad for him, man, and like yeah. just like the it's constant, like, just just absolute torture. destruction of his body, and then like even when he's in the hospital, he starts doing it again, and it's just so fucking brutal. And then it culminates all with seeing kind of what is inside of him, like in the hospital bed, like that fucking old dude, evil entity character. So fucking creepy. I absolutely loved all of that. 
Yeah, it was it's brutal, man. Like where they show like what's happening and his, they're torturing him forever. It's like fuck, man. Like damn, leave him alone. That like version of like hell, like yeah. that we see with him. I wish we got more of that. Yeah, like, and that, that's what turns this from a movie to a potential franchise to me, because there's so much more to explore in this lore and seeing more of their world would be so cool because that to me is the best scene in the movie it's it's so creepy in there and i just wanted to see more and they gave us just such a small taste of it that it makes me want to watch the sequel like right away which they did announce i believe i think they did announce a sequel so talk yeah to me again again still <laughs> never talk to me will be the fourth talk, one. Talk, talk to me too look who's talking to me <laughs> yeah look who's <laughs> Too Honestly, too that, talking too furious. <laughs> <laughs> that that scene, the hellscape was was pretty cool. But a slight jump back to the first time she tries the demon hand thing, and I didn't expect there to be a ghost, and it was there. I was like, oh fuck! Like that was a really cool, just sudden sudden thing. But yeah, that poor kid, man. He he almost breaks his fucking own head in and is saved by the last second by his sister's hand. But like he's all fucked up. Excellent uh, makeup work for him. And then. Yeah, that's there's just an innocent kid being fucking brutalized because his dumbass sister's friend doing the fucking spell thing, whatever it was. Yeah, and then like I love how it ties back to to that kind of opening scene too, where we meet sort of the brother character of the kid who we see killing himself and stuff like that as well. But I guess we can get towards the ending here. Like, how did you feel about like the end of this movie and sort of how? You know, Mia essentially, um, sort of her essential like mental breakdown from like that the demons sort of created. They started getting her to see things that weren't really there. She ends up stabbing her dad, uh, and we it culminates all with her attempting to kill, of course, the brother character because she thinks he basically can't be saved. Yeah, I liked it because it was a taste of what the demons do to you. You know, it's uh, once they possess you, you know they they really have holding you and you don't even know it. Right. And that's kind of what it was like for her is that she was possessed presumably the whole time since she went over um, her, like her time there. And yeah, it was like playing tricks on her. And I really liked that. You know, you didn't know what was real, what wasn't the dead were starting to speak to her and make her do stuff. And yeah, I thought it was pretty crazy and I, I liked it. And I liked the whole dying deer analogy, you know, at the beginning of the movie, they see a deer that's dying in the road and she doesn't want to kind of finish it off. Whereas the brother's egging her on to do it. Oh, a kangaroo. A kangaroo. That's right. I'm sorry. Yeah. It was a kangaroo, (laughs) Australia, crazy place. (laughs) So yeah, dying kangaroo. And then she's kind of faced with the same decision at the end. Does she kill the brother or not? You know, does she actually put him out of his misery? And you could see that that was weighing on her the first time. So this time she decides to do it, but the whole, the whole time she was under control by the demons. I liked it a lot. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, by throwing him into traffic. Gosh, that's not a guarantee. You can just fuck him up even more. But uh, remind me what happens after she, after that whole scene. So she doesn't do it. She fights off the demons and she kills herself instead. She jumps into the traffic and ends up dying. And then we, she ends up back in the hospital room essentially and she's like kind of walking around and we come to find out at the very end that she has died and then bang she is sitting in front of someone saying 
talk to me. She is now okay. one of the spirits in this realm playing the game. Yeah, thanks for which I thought was great. I thought it was such a smart and cool way to end the movie. It was, and I like the scene too where she's walking through and all the lights are turning off. Yeah. Um, but also mm-hmm. cool too that we didn't cover is that she attempts to do the talk to me thing again and in the hospital, and then she talks to a ghost that takes her. That's how she gets to the realm. Like, I'll show mm-hmm. you where he's at, the little girl ghost or whatever. That was a really effective scene too. Like, that whole lead up to that hellscape was really good. For sure, yeah. Anytime the ghosts were on screen, I I was interested. I, I really liked seeing the ghosts because they were unpredictable. You didn't know what they were there for. Uh, like, I mean, the the old lady ghost in the room with the boyfriend, you know, she's creepily in the corner. And then she, like, reveals herself in the shadows. And then she, like, does this creepy crawl, like, super quickly towards the bed. It's like, oh, my God, is she going to attack her? Is she going to kill her? No, nope, she just want to suck on her boyfriend's toes. <laughs> and see it's, the toes. You know, it, was, it was really random, you know. Maybe Tarantino filmed this this part of the movie. I, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I like I, the whole thing was cool. Yeah, I mean, we one thing we didn't even really touch on was sort of like the whole mother suicide stuff in this as well. Because, like, she thinks the mother just accidentally overdosed. But then the, what we come to find out is the father was hiding it from her and that the mother really did commit suicide. So we deal with like some serious issues in here as well as one thing. I mean, we, I'm kind of jumping all over the place, but one thing, man, I don't think the father would have survived that fucking stabbing that he, uh, he got, by the way, <laughs> I was shocked to see that he ended up surviving in the end. Cause it was a fucking brutal thing. Yeah, and I'm like, Oh man, he's, he's dead, man. And then somehow he survived. He's, he's bleeding out for like 10 hours too. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, same with the brother. He just walks out of the hospital. You know, right. there's there no fucking way that kid does not have permanent brain damage. Skull fractures sure. and everything. Yeah, yeah. No, he just plainly walks out of the hospital as if he came back from a broken arm or something. You know, it's like, there's no fucking way. So right. I guess in this world, people just heal better. Where do we go from here, though? Like with the sequel, I think this story's done, right? Like we probably won't see like Sophie's character in the sort of underworld or whatever. I think, I think we might in the same way we see Elise in Insidious 2. Uh, okay. I think she might be a guide to whoever, for whatever reason, needs to go into the spirit world. I think that's how they bring her back as the kind of good guide because she died, but she was a good person, you know? which isn't the mm-hmm. case maybe with a lot of the spirits that are there. All right. We'll see. We shall see. Cause it has a hundred percent been greenlit. We are getting a talk to me too. I believe the same directors are on board. So yeah. Are you guys, I mean, are you guys excited for it or do you think like, you know, we'll create another sort of horror franchise. Man, I would love to just have some solid one and done man. Honestly, yeah. like the witch, we don't need to follow up to that. Fantastic yeah. film. Hereditary, fantastic film, no no follow up needed. So yeah, you know, I just I, I fear they're gonna beat it until it's they're gonna milk it till it's dry, and that's unfortunate. But I'll still watch it. Is this the first A twenty four sequel that we'll ever it's get? Great, it's a good question. I think so, right? Everything I else has been I can't one-offs. think of anyone. Yeah, yeah, horror wise, anyway. Yeah, maybe horror. some of their other stuff they've done. Yeah, I think so. I mean, right, Midsummer, The Witch, um, that one with. The lighthouse, uh, the, 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 the lighthouse, yeah, Northman, the one with uh, what's her face, Scarlett Johansson, too. I forget that under the skin. It was, oh, yeah, know, that's right. All, yeah. all, all one offs, yeah, yeah. This could be the first sequel that A24 has done horror wise, so that'll be interesting. 
I think there's a lot to be explored, like Steve said earlier, like with this lore. So I think one more, they could it potentially could be better than this first one if they do it right. I agree. I, I'm actually really, really psyched for a part two. So I, I I'm just curious to know more about the spirit world. Like you said, I don't need, really need to know where the hand came from, like who it belonged to, why they encased it, and to talk to the dead. Like there must have been a reason for it. I just want to see the movies go forward and people explore that realm a little bit more. So, so all the ghosts we see are damaged, right? Except for the little girl. In some way. Yeah, I mean, all of them are. There, there doesn't seem to be one. I, I don't know if are they like actual ghosts though. Like to me, they all seem like demons. But then, of course, we get Sophie Wilde's character uh, at the Mia at the end there. So I guess that they're not all damaged, right? Because she comes in. But yeah, I was gonna say because she got hit by a fucking weird. car, right? Yeah. So why yeah. she be all fucked up? But but if you watch the uh, the montage of them constantly using the hand, like you know how how many other times, some of them just seem like good that's people good, that that's a good point possess them like one's just singing a french song at one point and then yeah, you have yeah. what looks like a religious person because she's just kind of praying and you know it's one's just horny really so uh, i i don't know it's okay i think there are some some good okay. ones out there so they just focus in the movie they just kind of focus on the evil ones but yeah i guess there are some good ones out there but mm-hmm. i mean that world they do show is fucking fucking yeah, hell, right. absolute hellscape so yeah i don't know there i mean like you said there's a lot to be explored here and we'll find out in the the sequel and maybe so, threequel maybe, maybe franchise 12 of them <laughs> um right so the, the magic question is i think we would all do it once would you do it again I don't know if I'd even after like actually watching people do it. I don't know if I would do it. I, I would I, actually at the, at my age now. I wouldn't. Back when, when I when was in my 18, 19, 20, like, you definitely would. Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah. But would you do it again? That's my question. So I think we all would have fucked with it. But if <laughs> right. you had a bad, especially if you if the guy was making out with a dog and then he does it like thirty minutes later. Right. Like, I don't. I don't know. I, don't, I def. Hopefully, I wouldn't. But who knows who knows right i've like done some drugs i've took like when i was younger and i had a bad trip and i still did it again so you know i i probably what, would what if you're still high dude what if that trip is so still this, going on it just still go right and, all, dream, and, so, and you oh, wake up and you're eating again fuck dude that was 15 years of my life yeah i definitely would have done it when i was young probably would have done it again i would also do it as an adult i think because Oh, uh, you're going all in yeah well i i want proof of the afterlife it would make me feel a lot better about a lot of other things you know uh whether it's family members or myself or seeing concrete proof of an afterlife would ease my mind so much that i would be willing to take this risk to do it now would i need to do it again it depends on my experience the first time you know uh i don't know but definitely i'd want to do it once just to kind of get some kind of concrete proof Oh, when we're in fucking Monterville the next year, and don't fucking try to suck my feet because you're fucking doing the weird <laughs> ass. Talk to me, and when we you've been warned, but um, I don't, I don't know. It's if I, I'd probably be the guy that's like the stickler and be like, all right, here's what we're doing. We're setting a sixty second timer. 
Johnny over there, you're setting another timer, so we have a, a second fail safe. All right, Susan, you're doing a third fail safe, so we don't fuck up. We're having three people ready to tug this hand out, so there's no fuck ups. Because, like I said, that drives me fucking insane that they wait till second 89 to start pulling off this hand. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love when they kick the dog out of the room, <laughs> which I don't. I still don't understand why that happened. Like, why did the dog go up there and start like making out with them? It just. It was weird. It was a weird scene. I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's it was off. And the, totally gross. The does the talk to me thing work if you don't believe it works? I think so. Seems like it. Yeah. yeah. I think so. Yeah. so why, why didn't the sister do it though? Like the... I think some people are scared, right? Some yeah. people are just scared to do it. Like I know a lot of people that probably would not want to do it. You know, there are people who are scared to use a Ouija board. I'm it's not like the same, using same Ouija idea. board. Fuck that. <laughs> but it's but exactly. it's because like we've all seen the horror movies in these in this film, these horror movies do not exist, so they don't know mm-hmm. any better. Like zombies don't exist in the Walking Dead universe, you know what I mean? Because they're new to them. So mm-hmm. it's like I know not to fuck with the Ouija board when it's probably ninety nine percent fucking bogus anyway, but I'm like that one percent from the fucking exorcist has me like oh, <laughs> captain howdy's not getting me so well i, I don't think it's it. i don't think it's not that they don't have horror movies in in uh in films i think it's just they have one night of living dead none and that's the only movie they have in those worlds so because yeah, it's, it's always playing <laughs> yeah, yeah even in all hell's eve they're watching <laughs> they always right. everyone public, always watches night of living dead i had <laughs> i had it in one of mine public yeah, domain maybe that's right yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh boy exactly Did so you do you think ever... Didn't you buy the hand, one of you or both of you? I wanted to. I still haven't bought it. I really want to. It's like 110 bucks though, so I haven't pulled the trigger on it. But I do definitely want it for my collection. I, I think it's such a cool like design. And I love how like it's all the sort of magic marker from like everyone that's kind of used it, written all over it. It just like adds to the lore of like where it's been and stuff it, like that. It's an incense holder, right? The the, the yeah, the one A twenty four is selling. Yeah, that's kind of what turned me off a little bit about it. Like I just want like an exact prop, replica, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> it'll it'll be at Spirit probably next year for sure. Someone will make. I would have been looking on or Etsy people. I've been looking on Etsy. People have been 3D printing them and stuff, but there hasn't been a good enough replica mm. yet. But some, obviously, good. Trigger Street Studios will definitely put it out, too. Yeah, yeah, someone like that like yeah. will definitely license it out. Or just like a local artist on Etsy will come up with like a really good version. So, yeah. Yep. All right, ready? Sure. I'll start because I think I'll be the lowest here. I'm at a 3.5, maybe 4. I'm still teetering, honestly. But the lowest 3.5 and the highest 4, I do have issues with it still. I think the plot slows down significantly in the middle there. And I just wanted it from when she starts feeling weird shit happening. I wanted that to ramp up and just keep going up and up and up and up and up until it culminates to the finale, which the finale was great. I just wanted more leading up to it. So 3.5 for right now. Yeah, so when I came out of the theater, I was at a 4 out of 5. But then I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I just kept thinking about it and thinking about it. And it just really stuck with me. And the more I thought about it, the more I liked about it. And on a rewatch, I still thought it was just as good. So it's it's one, it's in my top three, top two, maybe even my favorite of the year. I don't want to spoil anything yet. You know, wait for our year ender. But it's definitely one of my absolute favorites of the year. I loved it. Uh, I give it a four and a half out of five. Yeah, so I gave it a four out of five the first time. 
and I'm still at a four out of five, but it's like a lower four out of five than the first time, if that makes sense. So it wasn't my top three, and I really wasn't sure how I was going to organize my top three. I'm still not. Uh, part I actually want to rewatch my top three, so this was a good start. Uh, and right now it might be, you know, I might have knocked it off a little bit, whether it was, you know, my number one, it got knocked off the three, or number two, it got knocked to four. I It just, I don't know, there's something about it that I didn't love as much the second time, maybe because I knew the beats and I knew what would happen, but it didn't hold up, I guess, as well as I expected. But still, I think it's a great film, and it's definitely in my top five, so I get four out of five. All right, everybody, that is going to be it for this week's episode. Happy Halloween, everybody. Can you believe it's already over? I know we're all sad, but don't worry, because you can listen to us year-round. We're here for you every single week. We bring the Halloween. We bring the horror for you. So don't you worry. Just listen to us every week, and we will keep it spooky for you. Next week, we are going to be reviewing a Universal Monster movie. Uh, This is going to be based on Steve's pick. Um, We will be reviewing one of four movies. The choices are going to be Frankenstein, Creature from the Black Lagoon, The Wolfman, and help me out, Steve. What's the fourth one? Dracula. Dracula. All right. So uh, one of those four choices, we will be reviewing a classic Universal Monster movie. We've only done it once before when we did Phantom of the Opera. So it will be fun to go back and watch another Universal Monster movie to vote. It will have a graphic up on our social media. You'll be able to vote for the movie or our Discord, of course. But get that vote in. It'll probably might be closed by the time this episode releases. So, but you'll see it on our socials if you follow us. And that is going to be it for this week's episode, everyone. Uh, in the meantime, of course, follow us Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Threads. Just search the Horror Squad Podcast. You can also email us anytime, the Horror Squad Podcast at gmail.com. And of course, the absolute best way to keep up with the podcast is our Discord completely free to join amazing community over there you get a lot of behind the scenes uh info and you get all information prior to us posting to any of our other socials so all you gotta do send us a dm through any of our socials or send us an email and we will get you a link to join that very special discord movie club is movie club coming up soon steve yeah uh, i had to push it a week because i'm just too busy this <laughs> this weekend it's going to be november like third or fourth whatever that friday is and we're actually gonna watch shadow of the vampire which is very hard to find in the u.s but pretty easy for me to find in canada so i'm gonna showcase that because i think a lot of people haven't seen it so i think it'll be a a fun complimentary to us going back and watching a Universal Monster film, since that's also based off the story of the making of an old film, which is Nosferatu. Very, very cool. Yeah. So, in order to you know be a part of that movie club, you got to be a member of our Discord. We Steve sends out a Zoom link in the movie club channel, and you join in right on there. You have a ton of other horror fans joining in on Zoom, and you guys watch the movie and then discuss it. It's a really fun time, so join us on Movie Club as well. All of our new listeners, because hopefully there are a lot of you from our Hocus Pocus event from this past weekend, please, if you haven't already, give us a five-star review on wherever you listen to your podcast. It would help us greatly. And if you'd like to support the podcast and rep us, we got merch. We have a brand new Hocus Pocus design. We have a Halloween inspired movie design. We have Monster Squad design. And we also have a Sleepaway Camp design. And I'm sure we'll have more coming. All you could do is go to tpublic.com, 
search the horror squad podcast and you will find our designs on there it's also linked over on our instagram as well and i think that's about it i think that's the full spiel ladies and gentlemen so thank you once again everyone for attending our event this weekend we really appreciate all of you that came out and supported the event um we do it for you guys and we hope you enjoy them we have a lot of stuff in the works and planned for you guys so just keep up with the podcast we appreciate you all and we'll see you guys next week for our universal monster movie pick see ya bye Bye. Monster mash, the monster mash. It is a monster mash. Oh. Hot singing is I, helping I, so much. I, <laughs>